Hey there, and welcome to Parent Q Live. This is a different edition of Parent Q Live. This is actually, we're calling this just for now, the dad edition of Parent Q Live. My name is Carlos Whitaker, and I'm your host on today's podcast, along with my great friend, John Acuff, who's going to be along for the ride with us as well. Now, listen, right away, if you're a mom and you hear dad edition, what I don't want you to do is to stop listening, because what I want you to do is really step into, and you guys are going to get a glimpse into the minds of dads, into the minds of fathers. And and again, if you're a mother and you know a dad, hopefully many of you do know a dad that could get some benefit out of these conversations as well, forward these podcasts to them, let them know, share them, um, and let's moms and dads both get as much as we can out of these conversations. Because here's the truth of the matter. The reason why we wanted to
I feel a stewardship responsibility. You know, I don't want to get to heaven someday. And God says, that's all you did with the parents I gave you. So, you know, I kind of want to pass the, the lessons forward. And so, but you know, that comes, you know, fatherhood comes with a lot of responsibility, but I tell you, I just, we can't lose the fun of it. It's right. just, you know, there's a lot of responsibility and tension yeah. and problems and how you do all this, but it's just a blast. Let, let's have a blast. And so who are you having a blast with? What, what are your kids' ages? Well, I say that, but I'm actually depressed at the oh. moment because we just dropped my daughter off at Stanford, John's oh. alma mater. And so it's, you know, we're three days after, you know, yeah, dropping whatever her off. that, that and, is. And uh, it was tough. I'd love to tell you it was, you know, I just, well, it was tough. And yeah. Saturday was a kind of a bewildering day going, wow, we're, we have an empty room. And I, t- I told you guys before we got started. And, and please, this is what not to do when okay. you drop your daughter okay. off. Okay. Don't go into their room when they're gone. Uh, you know, that's the dumbest thing. Did you bring a soup for one and stand by the <laughs> yes. window and listen to Counting Crows around here? That's right. Like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Gonna, it's like the no, worst No music Hallmark either. Movie. Yeah. Don't don't listen to music and don't go into their and room. there were three. Wow. So, so a freshman uh, entering freshman into right, college. She's at yeah. Sanford University in Birmingham. And then Cole, my son, is a sophomore. So one of the things we did Saturday night, we went to the very first Falcons preseason game in the new Mercedes-Benz. Oh, Mercedes Benz. So that was kind of a bad morning and a really, and a good, really night. good night. Yeah, yes. that's so great. It's, it was phenomenal. So those kind of things. And then uh, we'll soon be going to a big Georgia football game uh, gonna, when they play Notre Dame. So it's just fun, you know, finding what your kids like yeah. and participating in that. And it's just so yeah. So well, I, I, I want to ask you um, in a little bit, um, just some questions even about about the the kid that's kind of left behind right, right. and, and kind of what you're doing on purpose right uh, to kind of parent into that um, but let's move over to John John tell us a little bit about kind of w- what what does dad look like for you we have two uh, middle school daughters so we're figuring out middle school and it's been a blast I think yeah. there's a lot of self-fulfilling prophecies of it's the worst thing ever and it's not easy I mean sure. I think there's mean girls at any school um, but it's been a lot of fun like I keep telling people every age, every next age is the best age sure. um, where there's, you just enjoy different things. You're able to communicate differently and share different ideas. And, you know, so I'm enjoying that. I, I think if, what's fascinating about childhood is that it so depends on the people they're traveling with in their grade. Yeah. That's like true. my youngest daughter, we knew there was a cool circle in like first grade. Like mm-hmm. we could already tell like, holy cow, there's a cool, there's a cool click. And they're yeah. like six. Yeah. And so, but my <laughs> oldest daughter, like, they're not like that. So I think it's so funny. We get so bent out of shape about trying to do things the right way. And then so much of it matters. Like who's the crew they're with. Right. Like, do they have a crew that's getting in a ton of danger? And that's what the vibe of their grade is. And any teacher you meet will go, Oh, that was just a tough year. Mm. Like through and through, that was a tough class, you know, this versus, Oh, that was a really sweet, kind class. And that was a, so I think that part, that's one of those, I mean, you talk about parenting being fun. It's also fascinating. Like, the things that shape what a year really looks like. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So middle school, you're, you're sitting in that season right now. Myself, uh, I've got a 10th grader, um, an eighth grader and a fifth grader. And so, and all three of them are completely different. My, my oldest daughter is a butterfly. I loves unicorns and rainbows and, um, and it just everything that she, she's in drama. She just is that it's, it's just amazing. It's, I love it. Uh, and then the, my eighth grader is the antithesis of her sister, uh, complete opposite, just, um, fire and brimstone. She's a rule follower. She is a leader. She is, um, it's, it's, it's been cool to watch, but, but really to have to parent them completely differently. Um, and it took a long time for me to get to that place where, um, Hey, listen, you've got a rule 
for you, Sohela. And guess what? Your sister doesn't have that role because she's not you and vice versa. And then we've got Losiah, uh, who's my fifth grader. And so that I, you know, I'm hanging on to him because it makes me feel young. Uh, but uh, we all understand that, um, you know, our kids are growing up and we're having a good time trying to figure out what, what in the world uh, being a father looks like. Uh, for them in the different seasons. So a lot of you listeners that are listening right now, you're in various seasons. Some of you guys may be grandfathers. A lot of this stuff is going to be applicable to you. Some of you guys listening, you may have an, an infant at home and you're just like, what, how, how, what, why, what is happening? And so we want to speak to all those things uh, and just, you know, have, have a good time doing it. Speaking of, of, of friends, John, you, you just kind of brought up that circle, right? That, that circle that your, your kids are around. Um, we are not going to be in control of that. We, we think we are. Uh, we think we can pick their friends out for them. But the truth is, at the end of the day, they're their own person. Um, John, talk to us a little bit about that. How do, how do, you, how do you encourage uh, your daughters to kind of step into a certain direction when it comes to friendship choices? Yeah, you can encourage it. You can't control it. So encouraging, I mean, when they're younger, it's easier. You just don't set up play dates with that, that kid. Yeah. Like if you go, oh, that kid's a jerk. Right. You know, like or they're deceptive, they're, they, they like to lie, like whatever. But like you don't control who they eat lunch with every day for yeah. five days a week. Yeah. Um, so I think you control in that, like you try to help them see the relationships you have that you value. Um, but I think so much of friendship is just, you know, one of my goals as a parent is that they don't peak in middle school or high school. Um, like I don't That's want good. cool kids. Like my, my oldest daughter would tell you like she's middle of the road and she's, She's fine with that. She's yep. like, I'm not cool. Like, and she'll say like, oh, a cool kid talked to me. It was fine. She doesn't, it's not her value system. Yeah. And she doesn't say it like, because I wish I was. She's just like, I get it. Mm. Um, it's just fascinating. It's crazy to me that even in this current year, cheerleaders are the cool ones. Isn't like, it, when will that, does that ever <laughs> I end? Don't know. Like, <laughs> in the 60s, they were cool. Right, and they're yeah. still, and so, you know, I just, I try to get them. But what's funny is that, it's the same with being an adult. Like if you live in a community group in a neighborhood, there are certain adults that are the cool ones in the neighborhood. Yeah. And getting invited to their Christmas party is a big deal. And having dinner with them is a big deal. And so I think it's just part of humanity that we, we um, self-organize into who's cool and who's not. But I think the best you can do is, is try to encourage them in the situations you do have. I mean, you can say it's a Friday night, you're not sleeping at Jill's and that's, you have control over that. They Absolutely. don't get to go. No, nah, I am. Mm -hmm. But you can't say I'm going to have lunch every day with Jill and you don't have any visibility into that. Right. Um, so I think that's the balance is you control the things you can control and you, you talk through the things you can't. Yeah. And I would say that things, the older they get, the, the things you can't get bigger and the things you do get smaller. Yeah. That, that's good. And speaking of the older they get, now you're, I mean, cause really how old are your kids, John? What, what are, uh, what I've got, got um, almost 12 and just 14. Okay. Just 14. That's only four years difference from, from where, where you sit dropping your uh, daughter off at college. And now we're talking about, yeah, now we're really out of control as far as not out of control, but out of your control father. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Like you don't know what she did yeah. today yeah. unless she texts you. <laughs> right. Right. We're well, a tattoo. <laughs> that's right. You know, well, all the Sanford yeah, Carlos, yeah. he's covered. Now I'm getting more depressed yeah. listening to John. So you that go back is the, in her room. That is the beauty of social media is we're able to follow. You know, she put yeah. something on Snapchat last night. We're like, oh, look at that. Oh, look so, at of course, that she probably has 17 different private Snapchat names. But the one that I'm following, it looked great. So Yeah. I get it. I get it. So, so what, what, what do you... 
But what's the bottom of your age range? You go college down to what? Tenth. So uh, Cole is in the 10th grade. Okay. So he's 15. So here's another thing. Yeah. So uh, he turned 16 in October. And so we're, you know, he drove home from uh, church last night. So imagine that's a spiritual experience, Absolutely. right? In sure. I'm in the backseat. Oh. I'm, oh. I'm literally the backseat driver. And Wendy's like, if you're going to, if you're going to give clues yeah. or tips, rather you have to sit up in the front seat. So that's true. We don't need to have backseat drivers, but that's I was funny. backseat driving last <laughs> night and he did well, but it's, uh, I'm telling you when you guys get there oh. and you're John, you're there at, uh, about to be, yeah. the, it is a, but it's different for experience. every kid. Whenever somebody goes, what age should a kid get a phone? I say, well, what age should a kid drive? Like there are some kids that they could have driven at 13. Yep. There's yeah. some that shouldn't drive at 25. <laughs> so right. I think it really depends on well, things are changing mature, immature. So rapidly, you know, I mean, th- things are changing so rapidly. So Hala's 15. She could have gotten her learner's license in a, f- a few months ago. She still hasn't gotten yeah, it yet. They don't and, care this And generation. she doesn't. She, right. She's actually not... Not like I was waiting in line the morning of and when I was 16 and her 16 year old friends don't even have their driver's license yeah. yet. And so I asked her, I asked her, uh, gosh, it must have been a couple months ago. Hey, babe, like how come she's like, well, I don't know. You can just drive me places. But for us, the only way we had freedom and independence was to get in a car and go to our friend's house. They've got these devices in their pocket that suddenly that accelerate their freedom to a, to a space of. I don't necessarily have to. It's so funny you mentioned that. Yesterday at church, I had a parent and a 16-year-old. Her daughter came up, and she said, hey, don't you think she should drive home today? <laughs> and well, how did I get in this conversation? Right, right, you know? right. So there is that. I think in our age, there's, hey, you're 16. You should drive. But yes. there is a, a seemingly longer longer lead time there yeah. for that. And um, But I would just say, you guys, this is a, a new situation, or but it, it just goes so fast. Yeah. My mom says the most surprising thing about life is how fast it goes. She's 89. Yeah. And so, yeah, she looks back, and it's just, you know, and so. Is she the one that's really into Tim Tebow? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She is. Yes, can can, you know can we mom. just step into that for a moment? And how do you feel about this, Jeff? It's fine. Well, I, I honestly would count. I would go to my mom's house and count the number of Tim Tebow pictures that were on the refrigerator <laughs> and how many. And I said, Mom, I don't mind you having them, but he can't have more than me. Okay. Right. He, Tim, you don't even know Tim it's Tebow. It's the shirtless ones I have the issue with. <laughs> and I'm not making this up, guys. She has read his first book 27 times. Wow. Yeah. And when my dad was passing away, yeah. she would just sit there by his bed and read Tim's book. Every and I thought, you know, you probably need to go to Ephesians at some point, <laughs> you know, but no. And she said, well, Jeffrey, Tim has Bible verses in his book. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, he, she got to meet him yeah. a few months ago, and it actually got on TMZ, which is a whole other story. Oh, and, wow. uh, it was uh, so funny. It's amazing. A link to that will be in the podcast notes. TMZ. Yeah. So, <laughs> so good. Um, okay, so you know we're talking about friends with, with with our kids, and here's the thing: we're we are modeling that to them, so they do look at right. us and our relationships and our friendships. And w- one of the things that I notice as a dad, okay, is that you know my wife, she just is better at the friend thing than I am. She just, she always has been. And that's not an excuse. I'm not making an excuse, but I realized that I needed to work harder, not only for myself, but so much, so Losiah could see, Hey, listen, just cause you're a dad doesn't mean that you get to skip the let's get into relationship with other men kind of thing. Right. Um, Jeff, you, you, you've got a thing champions tribe, mm-hmm. um, that, that I think leans into this a little bit. Can you tell us about maybe some of the, of the purposeful, um, connections that you're making for your kids. Yeah, well, well, John's exactly right. You can't control the friends part of it, but you can you you can try to have some things that will help along those ways. So one of the things we tried to do early on is we wanted to, our house to be the fun house, yeah. you know. So we wanted all the friends to come to our house, and so 
that way we could kind of, you know, as much as we can uh, control the situation. And so that was, you know, now that means you're having, we, so we bought a karaoke machine and a stage and a disco ball. Yeah. And so that means karaoke going on at 2 a.m. Yeah. A lot of Justin Bieber in my house. So <laughs> um, back in the day. But that's okay. They're at that. They're at our house. The other thing you were talking about, Carlos, about modeling friendships mm-hmm. is, and this is something I learned from Reggie Joyner, is you want to have another adult voice speaking into the life of your kids. Yeah. And so they actually became friends with people much older than them. Hmm. Lauren Espy, who you know, is yeah. one of Jesse's mentors. I think Je- uh, Jesse went to Sanford because of Lauren Espy and John A. Cuff, wow. okay, but because of those two. But that kind of adult voice speaking in, they actually become friends. And as a parent, you got to get comfortable with this. You have to be comfortable with your child or your, your teenager calling someone else rather than you. Wow. And if you're comfortable with that and you trust that person and you can't go, like if it's John and Cole's calling John, hey, John, what did Cole say? Yeah, I can't go there. Oh, I can't really? go okay. there. No. That's okay. triangulation. That's yeah. right. So <laughs> can't do that. I just trust John if he's my son's mentor or one yeah. of my son's mentor and say, now, if something's really big, I'm, I'm going to trust Absolutely. John. That's kind of, sure. But that kind of friend and kind of impact is, is really, really important. Yeah. I love that. I love that. John, uh, one, of the, one of the things I love about, you know, how you dad, as much as I, I can tell, is you do have a lot of fun with your kids. I think you have, guys have 427 kayaks that you strap up to your car. <laughs> it felt like and, it. And, and you're, you're, always, you know, you're always out doing things in the summer, and you guys are very intentional about your summers. You're very intentional about what that looks like. Talk to us a little bit about being super intentional because I can tell you guys do that because you 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 see the amount of summers you've got left with your Well, daughters. yeah, and that's, I mean, Bob Goff, our, all, you know, he's our mutual friend, really challenged me on counting summers. Mm. So if I have an eighth grader, say there's the summer after eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th, and 12th after isn't a typical summer, I'm assuming, because like college is coming. So yeah. I have like four or five left. Yeah. So when you... When you actually, I mean, that's the whole thing of the marbles with Reggie is like, know your weeks, know your time. Yeah. So I guess we look at it that way um, and say, okay, if we've got X amount of times left and the, the challenge of parenting is this, like, here's how you have to think about it. When they're like zero to three, they suck to take anywhere. Like they're just, it's, they do like a toddler yeah. on a plane is the worst. Like yeah. I know there are parents out there. They're like, no, it's great. They're wonder. Like, no, it's terrible. <laughs> um, but then, but it's also the easiest in the sense that they don't have other commitments. Yeah. So they get into traveling age and they're eight and they're nine and they're 10. They don't want to be gone for three weeks. Sure. They want to be at home in the pool with their friends or do band camp or do. So the tension you have to be is really deliberate about finding weeks where, okay, it's before the summer starts for mm-hmm. them and before swim team yeah. or it's after swim team. And so I think as a parent, you have to be super duper deliberate about saying, here's where we're going to get together and here's how. Yeah. Yeah. So with the three of us here, we, we all are sons of pastors. We, we had fathers who were ministers and, uh, amazing, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> it, it really is. Now, now two out of the three of us, um, either, either made, uh, the, the wise choice or the unwise choice to follow in their footsteps. Uh, John got out of the, uh, of the, you're game. not currently a pastor. That's true. I'm out. I'm out maybe like, game. Oh, what is, what does, uh, Mike Foster say? He's like, of the parachurch yes something. yes you're I'm like a, a meta pastor i'm, I'm a pastor of social media. yeah exactly i'm an <laughs> instagram so pastor yeah and uh you know just just thinking about that no, knowing that there's um th- there's a lot of incredible things that uh that we got because of that but there were also a lot of wounds you know that happened um not that this podcast is going to, the rest of this conversation is going to turn into like, if you're a pastor and listening to this, how can you not wound your children? But <laughs> I, I would love to, to just talk about maybe some of the things, um, 
some, some, some of the great things about that, you know, what, what were some of the great things about growing up with, with, with a father who was intent with, with strong intention, pouring God's word into you, pouring ministry into you. Um, cause I feel like a lot of times, you know, we hear kind of the bad rap of it. And, and honestly, now, now that I'm a 40 year old, 40 something year old man, gosh, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so John, Talk to us a little bit about growing up in a P, as the a PK. Good, I mean, the good thing is I, you're around it all the time. Yeah. Um, I think there's a community, you know. I know some people think, oh, well, everybody's nosy. But everybody's also interested in you, yep. I mean, in a kind way. So I think I think that's nice. Um, I think you get opportunities you don't normally get. Yeah. I mean, it, whether even if that's just having the missionary over for dinner, like yeah. that's neat. And you get, expo- you get exposed to conferences and, you know, other pastors and, I think that's I think that's really fun. Um, from a you know, it depends on what you do for a living, but s- learning how to speak. Yeah, you know, like. Yeah. And I always tell people if you have a job, you're a communicator because a one-on-one speech to a boss to try to get a raise is a, a huge Pretty important speech. speech. <laughs> so I think watching a communicator, mm, if you're if your pastor is a communicator, can be a really um, really big education. I think though, whether you're a pastor or not. The, the thing you have to think about is how do you not try to make your kids inherit your faith but develop their own? Yeah. So that's, I don't, you know, you could be an accountant, and if you're a Christian, that's still Relevant. the challenge yeah. of how do I set the table but not say your faith has to look like mine, where you go to church has to look like where we go to church. Right. Like, that's where I think you have to be careful. That's good. Jeff, thoughts on that? I can, my first memory of church was we had this little pastorum, uh, you know, the church would let you basically live in this shack. And um, I can over, remember overhearing my dad say, well, deacon so-and-so didn't like this, and deacon so-and-so didn't like that, and brother so-and-so didn't like that. And my first thought was, why do these people hate my dad? <laughs> right. And I, I can't right. remember how, I mean, I was really young, and there was a little bubble that appeared in my head, that thought, you know, thought bubble, I will never work at a church. you know. Wow. And so that was, now, to John's point, there's a lot of great things about it as well. Um, so I promised myself I would never do this, went into the business world and long story short, you know, here we are. Here we are. Um, but one of the things my dad showed me is he never, you know, he always chose his family over the church Mm. and I never felt like I was competing. It's not like my dad was at every ball game, but he was at most ball games and he was, you know, he, he just made that crystal clear to me. And, uh, to John's point about the communication piece, one of the things I can remember my dad doing is he had a little tape recorder in the pulpit and he would tape his messages and then go home and listen to his message. He would take a nap, but listen to his messages (laughs) and then go back for Sunday night service. And I thought, wow, he's, he's trying to get better. Yeah. And I can remember watching my dad preach and I was thinking something's happening in the room here. Even at that young age, I was thinking, wow, something's happening. Mm. And I was, I became fascinated with the fact that a man or woman can get up, say words out of their mouth, and somehow their their eternities can change forever. Yeah. So as a preacher's kid, you you look into this and you see that, and you think, wow, that that's really interesting. And then I was able to take those learnings and apply them into the business world. Wow. Uh, because people give bore pastors uh, boring sermons. Well, yeah, well they're boring business presentations five days a week. <laughs> right. Okay, we just don't do it. We just do it one Sunday. You know? Yeah. But so though there are lessons to to John's point that 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 you learn as a preacher's kid. And plus, when your kids and my kids were at Buckhead Church, they knew where all the donuts were. They did. Every single room. Every they single knew where room. they could find some free that's donuts. So true. No, it it is it is so true. Th- those were. Uh, you know, the beautiful things about growing up as a PK, I, I know for me, um, my, my dad was pastor of Primera Iglesia Bautista, first bilingual Baptist church in Pico Rivera. And 
you know, I, I joke about the fact that he would preach his sermons in English and in Spanish. I mean, literally, he would translate one line into there. Dios es omnis en inglés y español. God is the same in English and in Spanish. He just go back and forth. And for me, I was used to that. You know, I wasn't really clued into how the Holy Spirit was working in his brain to be able to even pull that off. But it was, his sermons were just twice as long. I mean, they were just, I, I heard two sermons. <laughs> right. um, but now, you know, I, I don't even think about the sermon part of my dad's job. Like he just loved people so well and he still loves people so well. And I still get to see that. And so my kids get to see that in him and then hopefully see that in me because he's still very visible to them. And so that, that's definitely something that, you know, again, if, if you're, if you're not a PK and you're listening to this and your dad, um, th- your kids are watching you. It, do- it doesn't matter what really your are. job is. Yeah. They're, they're watching you. Uh, they're paying attention. And um, um, there, there will be therapy bills at some point because of, you know, things that you've said or done, you know, to your kids. And so uh, we are trying to do our best. That, that's the goal here is to, is to do our best. Uh, one last thing I'd love to just kind of sit on is values. Um, we're, we're, we're sitting in a, um, just in a time and a season in our country where, uh, things are, things are getting pretty uptight. Things are, um, I mean, it's hard to say anything without somebody saying that you said one thing or, or another. Um, how can we, and values may be the wrong word that that may be the wrong word. How, how can we navigate our kids faith in this very tension filled season in in our country, not necessarily even talking about one thing in particularly, but how do we have these conversations with our kids? Because I think it's important because, uh, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, the Houston flooding is happening right now. This is just simple example. But I was watching the news for five hours the other day, just kind of had it on. And I realized that Losio had watched the news for five hours as well. I didn't even realize that he was watching everything, but he sure was. And he gathered all that information. And so suddenly, how do we as dads talk to our kids about current culture, What's happening? Uh, you could be listening to this in two years. Things are still happening that your kids are paying attention to. How do we navigate those conversations about current culture? John, I'll let you kind of jump into that. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple of ways. Um, I mean, one of my goals with my kids is to help them not get offended easily, you know, to That's overlook good. an offense. Um, there are things that are definitely worth getting upset about um, in our world. And and when they do, I want them to be upset and informed, not upset and uninformed. Mm. Upset and informed and uninformed is dangerous. Upset and informed is powerful. So mm. trying to get them to go deeper into a subject or a topic, not just read the tweet and go, yeah. this is what happened. Um, but also, I'm trying to get them to understand a sense of realism and a sense of understanding the motive behind the thing. Yeah. Um, and so, especially as women, like they have they have challenges I didn't have as a, as a man. Like mm. they just, I just didn't. And I, you know, call it privilege, call it whatever. Like that's a reality to their workforce and their world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I talked with Sue Miller about that. You don't get passionate about, you know, gender equality until you have kids that are the wrong gender for the equality. <laughs> right. go, Wait, that's bogus. Right. Like, why couldn't my kid do this thing? But at the same time for the, them to understand how the world works so they can then work around it, break the rules. Like an example, somebody, an actress said, Spielberg hasn't had enough female leads in his movies. And so my kids, that's a teachable moment. So I said, kids, when Steven Spielberg does a movie, is his first goal gender equality or is it to make the money back for the investors? Mm. And they are like, make the money back. And I said, right. So we shouldn't, we can't, that's not the platform to get super angry, figure out the money and the money will tell you how the system works. And then you can work around the system and do what you need to do and, and still be awesome in that. Mm. But 
Or you can stop there and go, I can't believe he does that. Well, I, I 100% can believe that because that's not, that's not, or like with, I'll tell my kids, people say, John, you don't talk about enough about the issues. And I'll say, well, do you send emails out to your work every day about what you believe about the issues? Because <laughs> right. this is my job. Yeah. Like social media is my job. As long as you're in the break room up on a table yelling out about issues at your job, <laughs> then I'll, I'll do the same. So <laughs> let's, and so helping my kids understand like, where do you withhold? That's where good. do you push? Where do you, you know, what don't you tweet? What's not worth it? Right. What, you know, what's dangerous? And just the difference between I'm offended versus this is offensive. Yeah. A lot of times when people say this is offensive, what they mean is I'm offended. Yeah. Like there's very like racism. Obviously we'd go, that's offensive. Yes. But a lot of things that people try to tell you are offensive. It's a personal thing. Sure. And so to set our personality stuff that's aside good. and go, what's the real message behind this? What's at play? What's, what's the truth? Like I want them to be smart not jaded, but savvy enough to mm-hmm. go, I see what they're trying to do to me. I'm not going to let that manipulate me. I love I'm not going to get upset about That's Steven great. Spielberg's I love choices. It. And that actually was funny. That blew up in the person's face because people said, I guess color purple doesn't count because the people were black. And she was like, never mind, never mind, delete, delete. <laughs> I, have a, I have a good time. Um, John and I are, are on a group text with some friends in Nashville. And uh, it's kind of our safe, our, it's, it's kind of a safe space. <laughs> Where we all, uh, and so it's really, I mean, it happens to John probably more than anybody else, but people really get offended, um, take offense to things that John, in no way, shape, or form are offensive to anyone besides that one human, but it's the biggest thing to them. And so I love to screen capture those tweets and send them to John (laughs) with my own responses back. Can I reply to this person? Yeah, but it's, so I think it's back to your kids are watching, you know, and you're trying to say, because you're right, like today it's this issue, this issue, and in two years it'll be something else. and. And three years will be something else, but it's getting them to stand outside of it, to be honest about it and go, oh, wait, this is this is the motive behind this is really about money. It's not about helping people or it's really about, you know, and again, not in a jaded sense, but in a they they understood the world and knew what to do, you know, in a biblical sense. That's good. That's so good. We'll, we'll, we'll let you have the last point with this one here, Mr. Henderson. Well, I totally agree with what John said. I, I would just add, the sooner they can begin to serve, the, the better, because yeah. they're going to get exposed to things in the real world. For example, my daughter, Jessie, she was a small group leader for elementary school students for a number of years. Uh, and so the minute she could get the age that she got to serve, we said, hey, would you like to do this? So she jumped in. Oh. Well, there hasn't been divorce on either side of her family. You know, grandparents are all together. So she gets this email from one of the moms that yeah. said, hey, I'm going through a divorce. Um, I, my husband is this. I mean, so she gets this really yeah. in-depth email and comes Welcome to me. Welcome to the world. Right. And yeah. says, Dad, what do I do with this? And I said, well, I want you to write a letter back. And, and long story short, and her response was so great. But it exposed her to, hey, here's the real world. And here's how you love on people. And so, so the, the minute they can start serving and the, the better, cause it's, and I think honestly, they loved our church, but they loved serving yeah. more than even attending. Wow. So and I think engaging them and saying, and my son Cole has been serving as well. He just went to this thing called boot camp for sixth graders and, and he, he loves it. So yeah. I think they just love serving and he's getting, you know, the, the real world. Out I there. love it. The other thing, and John touched on this, setting the context for conversations. I wish my kids would want to listen to life lessons from dad, you know, at the dinner table, but they're completely bored. We're completely bored out of our minds. That's why we created champion tribes, which really is set the context for conversations to have value conversations with other dads, other parents. And so that really, what we wanted to do is 
to to you know we love sports but you know whether the Braves make it or not that's not that necessarily a big deal but having higher level conversations within the context so setting the context for the conversation mm-hmm. so it doesn't get weird but that they're actually listening without absolutely they know that they're being taught if I you love will. it I love it there, there, there's so many I think applicable things that are coming out of this I mean you can rewind the podcast um, listen to it again there's there's a lot of truth bombs that have been spoken I I would I would love though to um, to kind of end with, with kind of what you just said, the first point that you said, I think it's, it, it could be a great cue this week to, as a dad, how can you help your kids serve? I mean, th- there's, there's plenty of, plenty of ways you can pull this off, uh, whether that be in your church, whether it be in your community, you don't, even, this doesn't have to be an organized thing. You know, they can serve, you can just go downtown and just do something for somebody that's down there, make moments with your kids, um, this week, you know, again, parent on purpose. I, I know for me, my, my Losiah, um, is a little bit blown away by me. I, this morning he called me, he's like, Hey dad, um, mom said that you're, we started going to a new church in Nashville, new church. This been about six months, but, um, I finally have enough schedule time in my schedule to, to serve at, at church. And I've decided to run cameras and Losiah could, he didn't understand. He's like, dad, no, you're supposed to be on stage. Like, like that, that's what you do. Right. You're, you're, and I said, no, no, no. At church, at my home church, I want to run the cameras for the people that are on stage. And I could just see that there was this moment of, oh, just inside of him that, oh, it doesn't always have to be, because I have to be careful that it doesn't just become the, the Carlos show on the stage. Da, da. And so, um, yeah, just what are some ways dads that are listening, uh, moms that are listening, uh, you could do this as well too, you know, that you can um, have your kids step out and serve with them this week. Uh, do that. Just try to be again. Uh, we're just trying to give you guys some cues to help with this thing called parenting. So, and I would say, Carlos, I would I would be watching your ratio of criticism to encouragement. Mm. Uh, typically, the criticism gets on the higher meter, meter than the encouragement. So, if you yeah. can, love, not that you can't. I mean, keeping it real, Cole needs to clean up his room seriously bad tonight. Okay. Right, okay. But uh, I need to make sure that I'm encouraging him as well. Yeah. And so I love that. So watch, what what is the criticism to encouragement ratio? Yeah. Now we can do it. We can encourage and never have any critiques. Right. That's wrong as well. Right. But sure. my, my observation is typically it's a little bit more, especially, you know, in, in other relationships, it's a little higher on the criticism and a little lower on the encouragement. Absolutely. No, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, well, thanks for the convo, guys. Hey, it's great. This to has see been you guys. Yeah, Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Let's I would again. love that. Okay. I, w- I want to do this when your kids go to college. Oh, all no, right, and just no. see what happens. No, no, you you didn't. I'm I'm actually I'm very I'm very proud of you, Jeff. You held it together. So uh, you can cry as soon as we hit stop. I will. Okay. okay. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jeff Henderson and John Acuff. I love the simple cue right there at the end. Serve with your kids or get your kids to serve in some way, shape, or form. It really changes their perspective on absolutely everything. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us on this very first dad edition of Parent Q Live. I would love for you guys to continue to leave reviews wherever you can leave reviews for your podcast, wherever you listen to them, subscribe to the podcast and share, share, share the podcast. Let's get as many parents as possible uh, just to try to parent on purpose a little bit better. You guys can check out the show notes at theparentq.org. And that's it, guys. We will talk to you soon. Mm.